0: Welcome to Creative Conflab. I'm your host, Tara Joy Andrews. We're going to have honest conversations about creativity, art, design, and craft. If you're ready to get a little inspiration and get creative, let's go. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to Creative Conflab podcast. You're listening to episode nine with fellow designer, illustrator, and book publisher, Rebecca Wilson.
1: Hi, welcome to the show. How are you Ah, doing today? Good. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's so nice to be able to chat with you. I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Yes, me too. Um, We have so many common interests, Um, so I'm so excited to dig in. Uh, thank you for being a guest. I like to start each show uh, with a positive note. So, think of something that has brought you joy recently and share
1: it with us. That's brought me joy. Okay, yeah, I I um, am feeling a lot of joy because I booked a holiday, uh, and it's um, it's a week from today. And I say holiday, I'm going like an hour from my house. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, we still have limitations, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I'm a big traveler and I love doing that. And we had big plans for 2020, but alas. So um, I'm trying to support the local tourist economy. And we have rented a lake house and we're going there next week. So I'm just really excited because it's like, I feel this year we have to be really intentional about making summer happen. I don't know. Maybe that's just, especially like being self-employed. It's like, it's just going to disappear if we don't like, pause and be like, I need to schedule some summer in.
0: (laughs) Yes. I feel the same. I was actually thinking that last week because I found last week a really hard week for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need to schedule some vacation in soon, even though as you probably feel, you know, you're only working half days from what you did pre-pandemic. But- Mm -hmm. It takes so much more out of you. So, yes.
1: It really does. Like, I'm feeling like lately has been tremendously hard mental health wise. And it like in a positive way, which it feels like really weird to say. It's like right now, because of the kind of work I do, I've had more work than ever. And it's been work I love. So I'm very like lucky in that sense. And I'm loving it. At the same time, I'm like, the world's not the way it used to be. So that's very stressful.
0: Yes, exactly. And, and we beat ourselves up about not producing as much or being as productive. Oh, totally. But yeah, that's just the sad reality that we're living in right now.
1: It is. But I think, I think creative entrepreneurs have a lot of experience in beating themselves up for not being productive enough. So at least this is familiar territory.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I did it before pre pandemic. I'm just doing it like more now because it's like, it
1: just looks different and everyone else is also doing it. Yeah, yeah. Finally so, you're like, "Still so you get it finally." Yeah, at <laughs> the understand. very beginning at the very beginning of the pandemic, I found that people were having just so much more anxiety and I was like, "Oh, I know how to handle this. I've been doing this for a long time, given different circumstances and stuff, but finally it felt like, "Oh, I'm not so out of place anymore." It was almost weird. I hate to say that there was like any sort of gratitude that came from the pandemic. Obviously, it's been a nightmare for so many people, but, you know, being Self-employed and used to sort of these sorts of stuck-at-home struggles, at least to a sort of familiar territory, right? Yes. Um,
0: The one you mentioned, you know, gratitude, like what I found I'm really grateful for is how much control I do have over how much I work and how Mm -hmm. much I take on, where I have friends who are also working through the pandemic, and they don't have that, like, you, mm-hmm. still, you still need to produce, you still have your deadlines, you still have client work that has to happen um, at the same capacity, mm-hmm. and they don't get to control it. So that's something I'm definitely grateful for.
1: Yes, absolutely. And my uh, my partner is a social worker, so he's actually had to work through – because he works at a care facility. So mm-hmm. he's been working through the whole pandemic, and we actually didn't see each other for two and a half months because uh, he couldn't isolate because right. he's working in this high-contact environment. So we only recently started seeing each other physically again, which has been nice. And, you know, now we have our holiday booked, but it was, it was tough. Yes. Um, and so I would definitely – Have been doing my best to support him from afar, but it's a challenge. And I mean, we don't have kids or anything or, you know, not living with us. So that's like another element that a lot of my close friends are dealing with. And yeah, so I I don't feel like I have any right to complain (laughs) over my pandemic experience. but it's still valid. It's still perfectly <laughs> it's still valid. valid. Every experience is valid. Yeah. I'm just able to handle my situation. first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we haven't met in person, but we met through a Facebook group. I've been meeting all kinds of people through Facebook groups lately and I am loving it. So for people who don't know you, just tell them
1: a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, gosh, I haven't done any networking things in so long because of the pandemic. So I'm just like, all my my talking now, about myself feels a rusty. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> um, so I am a serial creative entrepreneur, put it that way. Um, I used to work in higher education. So um, back in the day, I did three degrees, so I did a bachelor's in classical studies, so my specialty has always been Latin literature. Uh, Then I did a master's of classics, and then I did a master's of English, and then I took time off to teach. Um, I also wrote books while I was in school. Like I wrote novels. I didn't publish any of them, but I just wrote them for fun because... I have a warped sense of fun, I guess. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Well, uh, one of them I'm still struggling over, but I am going to publish it. I have the cover made for it already. Um, but I so I so I I did some teaching uh, a little bit um, at a university, and then I went to do my PhD uh, in classics, and my specialty. Oh God, let me think. What was my PhD topic? It was on classical utopias in Cold War era science fiction. So, wow. Yeah. So it was really cool. And, uh, I say, obviously I'm struggling to remember the topic because I didn't finish it. Um, I got a couple of months into my PhD. I was over in, um, England. I was studying in London mm-hmm. and I got very sick. Um, I, Came down with a couple different things. Not, I, I was sick both physically and mentally. So I came oh, back to no. Canada, and I was in the hospital for a while. And I had you know treatments and stuff, and uh, I got better, luckily. So it, yeah. the story has a happy ending. But that very much felt like the universe saying, "Like you're not happy, even though you're like fulfilling your dream, you're not happy." Um, so. I was very fortunate to have my family help me recover, and then they gave me sort of the space to start my first business, which um, I just felt like I couldn't go to traditional employment after being in academia mm-hmm. for so year for so long. I said that weird academia.
0: (laughs) Um, Like macademy. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I just felt like it seems like an impossible hurdle, which surely it was not. But that was just the way I felt at the time. Um, So I started my first business, which is still in existence. And it's a sea salt company. So I founded and now co-own South Shore Sea Salt. Um, We actually just launched our online store yesterday, so we just finished a big launch, and that was very exciting. But we produce um, high-quality culinary gourmet sea salt uh, by hand. (laughs) So actually, I did that for a year by myself and just grew and grew, and then now my whole family works with Slash for me. So that was really great because my parents retired but then joined the business, Um, and now we're mainly a mother-daughter business which awesome. is pretty awesome. So that doesn't seem to relate at all to the publishing stuff we talked about, but uh, the sea salt business is seasonal. So we don't do work in the winter because it's too cold <laughs> to make right. sea salt. Right. So I have the winters kind of off. And um, when I was starting the business, I wrote another book because that's apparently what I, what I do for fun, like I said. So uh, that one, I actually Um, having published traditionally. So it's been postponed because of coronavirus It's supposed to be out already, but uh, it's coming out next year now. And I started getting really interested in publishing and more specifically in design. While I worked on the Seesaw company, I did all our labels and branding myself. And then from, um, I don't have any like professional design experience. I was really artsy growing up, but Mm -hmm. my academic stuff isn't in line with that. But I did, in my English degree, study uh, the publishing industry. Oh. So that's where I kind of got some knowledge of that. And I'd also self-published a couple of books. I won't say they were good books and I won't say I did a good <laughs> job, but I did back in like 2015. And right. I had kind of just like done it and left it. So um, yeah, so I, I'm obviously like a researcher at heart. And I did a lot of research into design skills and design trends and how to make a business out of publishing on my own. So at the beginning of 2020, I started Lucky Sprout Press. And I started designing uh, journals and workbooks mainly because uh, I know from writing novels and other books that I'm a big procrastinator. And (laughs) if I started another one of those, I mean, I should really just finish the ones I've already got on the go, which I, I really should. And I will this year. That's the goal. I'm finishing all my projects this year. Um, but I knew that I would procrastinate if I did more of those. So I liked things with a short turnaround time. Right. Um, and, um, so yeah, I've been basically creating journals and publishing other sorts of, um, books like that. Um, ever since and I also now work with clients uh designing products for them so I do like ebooks workbooks paperbacks because I really love the formatting side which most people hate Um, yes so if someone can give me like yeah yeah someone can give me content then I'm like perfect I'll make it pretty Um, yeah yeah yeah. so that's that's basically how I got to right here today yeah amazing (laughs) I love
0: I love that um you're a serial creative entrepreneur because I feel the same way, except I haven't initiated all of my ideas yet because I just don't have all of the time, as you know.
1: Yeah, Um, no, that's, uh, yeah, I'm afraid of the stage where I unleash all the ideas. I don't think that's maybe a good one to get to necessarily. (laughs) Baby steps is how I feel about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned you studied Latin. And in design, we always use... Lorem ipsum yes we do <laughs> dollar set amet, etc and yep. someone asked me the other day
1: what does that mean and i'm like i don't know i don't know latin oh my god are you still gonna try and make me translate it well no i just <laughs> if you know it off the top of your head i was like this is interesting because designers use it all the time but if you do know, i use it all the time um Honestly, I don't remember what it means. It's been probably, how many years has it been? Like five years since I've done Latin. So, uh, I can, the certain texts I worked over a lot because, you know, I'm not actually much of a language person. I know five languages and I'm not very good at languages (laughs) because it's been through a lot of like painful study. Um, but when uh, I was doing Latin, because it's not like a conversational language. I mean, we, in in Latin classes, you do do conversational Latin, but it's certainly right. nothing you can go out in the world and practice. Right. Uh, I'm quite good at going to old churches and figuring out who's buried where, but that's a it. Uh hit. I see. Yeah. But the couple of books that I focused on, I focused on Apuleius, and I focused on uh, Virgil mostly. Those books, I'm like, yeah, I know this. I'm familiar with it. But, yeah, that's all to say. I have like a skill set that I can't actually use, so – but um, I did write a historical fiction novel uh, based on one of the Latin novels that I read in, uh, based on the Aeneid. So I have that coming out later this year, hopefully. Amazing. So, so I still do use my classic stuff. I love it. It was like my passion, but it's um, – you have to do this weird thing when you leave academia, which is either give it up or translate it into something new. Um because otherwise, like, there's not a lot of relevance, especially... Uh, maybe I'm undermining the field by saying that. I, I don't truly believe there's no relevance. Uh, there's definitely... Uh, it's yeah. just hard to... It's hard to make a professional career out of a master's yes. in classics. <laughs>
0: yes. And and I um, I started my university degree in, peer, like, peer and applied sciences, mm-hmm. uh, chemistry, physics. I even had some geology classes and whatnot. But it wasn't really bringing me that joy. And all of the career, the careers down the road were like, you either you teach it or you're in a lab or, you know, Mm -hmm. and all of that was like, although there's creativity in that, it wasn't enough. So then I moved to finishing with an English degree that I then took into a technical writing Mm Uh, position when I graduated university and then Mm. finally was like I'm a designer I need to be doing this
1: (laughs) maybe that's how all designers are born just like like diamonds out of pressure (laughs) yeah (laughs) I love it yeah (laughs) yeah well you know with so many of these university degrees and like obviously like I'm a big I love universities like I taught that one big fan but I think that it's really important to be able to contextualize what skills are getting. And they're not usually, like when I teach, it's usually there's like the skill and then there's the content, they're separate things. And the content is the tasty stuff and the skill is the bitter stuff. And you kind of want to wrap it in the content to make it digestible. Yes. So I always think like, okay, Like the classic stuff, learning like Roman civilization was like the tasty stuff. I love that. But it was more about like the analytical skills and the research skills that I was actually gaining. And those are the things that have been really valuable in my career. Um, Maybe not talking about like what Romans ate for lunch, even though I care about that. (laughs) But it's about like dissecting what it is you've learned to extrapolate things from it. But I I, I think that that's the, the course that I taught most recently was a study skills course like for university students like it was a it was for students on academic probation Mm -hmm. and I had to kind of figure out how to help them love learning so uh kind of helping them understand like why you're learning this I think was really helpful because a lot of times you kind of don't connect those dots I know I didn't when I was an undergrad it took a little longer than that the one thing I took out of it was It basically taught me how to think
0: and how to question things and like you say, how to research and find your own answers where going into university and that secondary education system, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Yeah. now I feel I do
1: know. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Yeah, we we are so much wiser now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But so, it's interesting. Oh, sorry. I didn't cut you off. Um, I was just going to say it's interesting working in publishing and writing because so many people, I'm in a lot of writers' Facebook groups, partially to learn from what people are struggling with. That really helps me with my teaching yes. um, and partially also just to be nosy about other people's books. Um, but I see so many people unconfident about their writing because of their lack of education and I'm like that's what editors are for like I do editing work that's kind of I didn't even say that but that's how I got into um working with writing mm-hmm. like I've been working as an editor for a couple of years and um like that's what an editor for yeah <laughs> it's okay you yes. don't have to have perfect grammar that's your oh. story is the important part yeah so exactly so yeah so that's all to say I love education but it's not always necessary <laughs>
0: yeah yeah so I've started asking all of my guests this question because everybody says a different answer. How do you define creativity?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I would say that creativity for me is is problem solving with your imagination. <laughs> Ooh, um, I love that. <laughs> because creativity, and this is like something that when I was younger, I really didn't resonate with. But as I got older, I realized that like everything can be creative and every field of work has creativity in it. It's really about what you bring to it. Yes. Um, you know, I used to feel very much like, oh, if I'm not an artist or something specifically tangibly artistic, then I wasn't doing something creative. But, you know, I feel that my academic career was extremely creative, um, which is maybe in opposition with the perception of an academic career, but I think anytime you're exploring ideas and challenging ideas, and that's mainly, I think that's like 90% of the job, is just like seeing what people think and then challenging it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's very creative. One of the papers I've published when I was at university was on using video game development software as a tool to solve humanities, or humanities subject research problems so we used to i used to use this like modeling software um that was all text-based and i found that it could create have you ever played like a this is a really nerdy question like a text-based video game back like back in the 80s oh, or anything oh, like yes. That? The yeah. oh yes on the apple IIE. oh yeah yeah where it's like yes. go left or, yeah and go north so go south right there is a door to your left there is a whatever yeah. so i had the idea that what if we use that exact format to map archaeological sites for people with visual impairments. Um, Because, like, it's... I find it very constructive. And the beautiful thing is that so many archaeological sites are not intact, um, and there's things missing, or we don't know what goes there. So in a map, a visual map, it's hard to fill in blank spaces because something has to be there. It could just be a white spot on the map. But um, when you're using language, you can construct as rich or as undetailed a space as you want. This is getting really <laughs> into a weird topic, but that was my concept, uh, was okay. that you can fill in a space with language much easier than you can with visuals, and therefore this video game engine was useful to model that. So that was a way in which I think was really creative, but also yes. very like, dry and technical at the same time.
0: Yes. So it's like my- the perfect marriage of both.
1: Yeah. So that was yeah. me problem solving with my imagination. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Amazing.
1: So let's uh,
0: dig into one of our favorite subjects, books and publishing. Yes. Let's talk about books. Um, I think uh, like, as I've already mentioned, we could talk about this for a week. Um, <laughs> I love books. Uh, as a young adult, I read books voraciously now I tend to do audiobooks more just because I'm designing and listening to them on the go um we both have a love of printed material journals books publications so what is it about this um and about creating and designing and illustrating them that you love
1: uh wow that's a, like yeah I mean so many things I also was very much a reader growing up. Like, you know, uh, I remember specifically the boxcar children was like my jam. I don't know if you ever read that book as a kid. Oh, I one no. stuck with me for a long time. So these kids who, I don't know if they're orphans, I haven't read it in a long time, and they just like live in a boxcar in a junkyard, and they just like find garbage and make it into like household goods. And that part of it really, at the end, they got rescued by their like elderly uncle, and I was really disappointed because I wanted them to live in <laughs> the boxcar. You wanted Um, them to have more adventures. (laughs) Yeah, and they did. there was like several books in the series and I hated them all. It was just the first one I loved. Um, So yeah, books are very powerful, obviously. And they can also teach you a lot about yourself, which is one of the reasons most people love them, I think. Um, In terms of like creating books, though, um, I really love creating an experience. And I think that kind of comes from like my teaching experience as well and all sorts of – because I run a lot of workshops and stuff too – I love creating a product that tells a story regardless of like the words inside it. I love words. Don't get like, like, obviously I love stories, but sometimes I don't think it really matters what the content is. No, that's not true. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Like in terms of you can tell a story regardless of what it says. There's lots of books that are not content heavy, such as journals that you can pick up and have an experience with that don't have a relationship necessarily with the words. So um, I do think books are like extremely precious objects, but at the same time, I'm very not precious about them. Um, I saw this uh, post online that I loved. It was a design thing. Someone had taken a book, like an old one from a thrift store, and they had kind of taken the pages and made this like mural out of it. And I was like, "That's great for my new office. I could love a wall installation like that." I was really inspired, and I read the comments, and people were furious. Like, <laughs> they were coming for this girl because she had like defaced a book. And I'm like, I make books for like a living yeah. now, and I'm like, I would tear them up if I thought it was cool. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, yeah. the worst, the worst thing to do to a book probably is to just like let it get moldy on a shelf, like do something with it. And I thought that was very creative. So I, I am both reverent of the book in its concept and also very not precious about the, the form. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. I, I know exactly. There's an art form, I think it's called altered books or altered journals. Mm. That, That's exactly what they do. Um, they go to thrift stores and get those old Beautiful hardcover with those beautiful gold embossed stamps, mm-hmm. um, and then like people even make like uh, jewelry boxes. They cut the inside pages out, oh, and then so they cool. just like put stuff in the book
1: because the pages. Yeah, the pages act as a wall around the edge. Oh, I've yeah. seen like like in movies where they have books with like knives in them and stuff, like the secret yeah. compartment books. Yeah,
0: secret compartment <laughs>
1: books, but yeah. Um, That's so cool. So yeah, like anything creative. I mean, like obviously I love books. I want to be surrounded by them. So, but I like that in diverse forms. And I don't know, books like are art, right? I feel like we're probably in agreement with that, right?
0: Oh yeah, they they are (laughs) art, and I feel they're an art form that allows you to be totally involved in the storytelling. Because I've read books that when you see the movie, you're like, that's not that's not him. Because <laughs> in your mind, you have, like, these different facial features and, like, maybe his eye color and hair color is described. But all of these other facial features, you know, the way he walks, you know, mm-hmm. his body language, like, you get to invent all that in your own brain when you read
1: a book yeah, and how I, people interact, right? Totally. I... I think that's so important. I have um, uh, uh, one client I'm working with right now. He's writing a fantasy novel and I've been kind of coaching him through the whole process and he's going to self publish it. And it's so good. I love it. Um, But when we were working together, first I said, uh, he was including a lot of description and things like that. And I said, give the reader something to do, (laughs) like take some of this out, give them space, let them be creative, let them be involved in the story by making up parts of it for themselves. And I think Generally, that's probably good advice because, I mean, you don't want to feel like you're reading a book and it's just a list of facts. You want to yes. have room for your own because reading is a two-way street. Yeah. You read the yeah. book, but the book reads you. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. as, a, as a, like an art form, I don't know. I like, I like doing the, the covers and the typesetting and sometimes like making the content too. Um, and like all of them united kind of become my art form. Um, because like in art, sometimes it's the restrictions and the limits that really make it beautiful. And I find that the restrictions of the book format have just the right parameters for me personally to feel creatively challenged. So it's, it, that's why it really resonates with me personally. It's, it's scratches that artsy itch.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, and one of my
0: happy places is bookstores, as I'm sure you can relate. Absolutely. I can spend hours just browsing the shelves, looking at the cover art and design, the colors, the textures that are used, how they interpreted a theme of the book on the cover art, and obviously the typefaces. And I admit, I juggle. I judge books by covers because I'm a designer. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So do you also judge books by their covers?
1: Yes, absolutely. But I think in a much more like positive way than just like being dismissive. Like, I mean, a book cover isn't just a book cover, right? It's art as we discussed, but it's also a marketing tool and it's meant to do certain things. Like it's, it's your it's your billboard for your book. Yes. So, um, and that's like another one of its restrictions that make it kind of fun. Like it has to not only be beautiful, but it has to make people want to pick it up. But I do judge books by their cover and there are definitely like categories. I was even thinking of doing like an Instagram video series about this. Cause I go to bookstores sometimes and show all my followers, like here's a trend and here's like five books that are using it right now. And um, my favorite one, this is more of a title trend, but it's the, What do I call it? The adjective location of abstract concepts. So it's like the little coffee shop of broken hearts or like <laughs> it's, uh, it's books with that title and you yeah. can look and you'll find several of them, especially in like a, like a general fiction sort of section. And they always have illustrated covers, no photos on them. So, yeah. And then I know you can order some other ones. Like if there's um, sort of a minimalist fashion cover, that's a book with drama in it. If there's uh, a torn paper graphic on it, usually a woman running away also that's, uh, thriller and probably involves things aren't what they seem mm-hmm. <laughs> trope. And oh, if there's a dog on the cover, that book's going to make you cry. Oh,
0: <laughs> Those are the rules
1: I've observed. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yep. So, but there's, you know, there's obviously trends because they work and, you mm-hmm. know, you have to find as a cover designer, the right balance between what is representative of the book and what people will recognize and resonate with from a sales perspective. Yes, so. exactly. So yes, I do judge books by their covers, but I think rightly so. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's how you find books you like,
0: right? Exactly. I mean, if the, if the designers and the marketing team did their job, then mm-hmm. the book cover that you gravitate to will be
1: the book that you love, right? hmm Totally. And that's one of the trickier things about self-publishing. Like, I love traditional publishing and self-publishing. I'm a big advocate for both because I think they do very different things. Yes. And the traditional publishers have the advantage of so many professionals working together to make that happen. Like, I'm a little bit, like, (laughs) micromanaging about my own projects. So, I like self-publishing because I like doing all the jobs. Most people don't. so. I always say, if you want to self-publish, that's cool, but maybe you should, you know, find someone who freelances doing marketing or, you know, someone you can hire to help fill in the gaps that you're not passionate about, because that is kind of the road to selling books. You have to check a few boxes.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's, I get asked that one, one people come to me to help design books mm. and they're always like, which which one should I do? And I'm always like, well, how much work do you want to do yourself? You know, totally. <laughs> because the publishers have these amazing teams that are mm-hmm. there full time. They're always in the market. They're experts in that. So they offer a lot of assistance and helping you get the book out there. Maybe your profit won't be as big, but you're not doing as much work and spending as much time on it whereas mm-hmm. self-publishing that's all on you 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 do everything which mm-hmm. for the DIYers, like i am a lot like you like i enjoy most of those i think the only one i don't is the the advertising part and the marketing because I'm just kind of introverted and shy, even though I have a podcast, you know?
1: <laughs> podcast is the medium of the introvert. I'm all about it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> love it. So is there a certain publisher that you just love their designs? Um,
1: yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm, not connected with the publishing world as much as I should be because I spend so much time working with self-publishers and strategy on that side. However, right. I am working with uh, Nimbus on my book that's coming out next year. So um, Nimbus Publisher in Halifax. So they've been wonderful, like just kind people who have been super um, supportive. And I'm also uh, very happy to let them take direction with certain things. Right. I don't. I mean, I haven't been a publisher for the people before, so I don't know that process a lot from their side of view. But because I know a bit about the industry, I definitely know to just leave it in their hands. <laughs> so right. they've been yeah. suggesting lots of things. I'm like, I'm not fighting you. That sounds great. <laughs> great idea. You're the expert here. So they've been just wonderful. Um, even with the delays we faced and things like that, um, they've been very transparent. So um, so I really like their work. I um, do also really admire Gasparo Press in the Valley.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, actually, Andrew Steves came to my master's program when I was at Acadia doing my English master's and uh, he came to talk to us I don't remember if he had done that degree or or maybe it's just because he was local but anyways uh, it was sort of like oh his books are beautiful art pieces and that's what I really admire I, I will admit I haven't actually read any of his publishers books but I have admired them yes. <laughs> In, and like flip through them and look because they do like the hand setting of the type and everything.
0: Yes. The letter press. Yeah. Yeah. Is... And the book, bu- the hand book binding, which yeah. I've experimented with. Another addiction of mine.
1: <laughs> I'm afraid to get into it because I know I'm going to be too into it. And I'm like, no, no, no girl, you can't. Oh
0: yeah. 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 It's, it's very addicting because... <laughs> You can put different colored papers in and different kinds of paper and translucent paper, and printed mm-hmm. paper. And then you can like print words on some of them have image. Like it's um like I could get lost for years, just like Absolutely.
1: <laughs> finding my own books. And um, I, I love that. Like I I'm looking forward to eventually getting to a place where I can just be more playful with my book construction right now. I'm just testing the parameters of commercial printing right which which is a good place to start and also a good place to set up a career because like you know I think it's probably a lot tougher to be hand binding all your novels. Oh, definitely. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so that's I'm I'm sort of starting. From Please don't term. buy anymore. My hands, <laughs> my poor hands. All my, oh, my bone folders yeah. are broken. Um, yeah. <laughs> Very specific book nerd humor. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yes, I am. Um, I still consider myself a relative newbie to the book world. I only started publishing in 2015. So it's like, what's that, like five years. Um, and I'm very much like starting from the ground up. So I have a lot to learn still, but, um, you know, I really love it. And I get to work with such cool people who yes. really like my work, which is so, um, that's, that's the best gasoline in the world yes. <laughs> to have people like what you yeah. do.
0: Yeah. It, it just, it's that, um, motivation to keep you going and creating more. Mm-hmm. which once you find the right people to support you and be around you, yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing feeling. Totally. <laughs> so I got one of your books, The 10 Weeks of Gratitude Journaling. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I was just wondering, there's another book, journal that you've put out that I also need to get the plant <laughs> the house plant journal um house plant so, journal, yeah yeah so what are some
1: other journals and books that you've you have available well I have I can't I don't even know how many it's, it's at least two dozen um different books out right now and they are, so I generally publish journals that are themed around my personal hobbies and passions because, um, I, I don't really, I wouldn't make a book about like sport fishing cause I wouldn't even know like a journal cause I wouldn't even know right. what categories to put in. So right. I just make things based around my hobbies. So, house uh, houseplants are both my passion and my hobby. So I have a houseplant journal that is, I would say probably the best commercial seller I have. Um, and I, a little spoiler alert, I have a couple other themed ones, houseplant books coming out very, very soon. So if you uh, hold off and you want to see other cover options and slightly modified interiors, those will be uh, in the next like two weeks. Um, amazing so so I have those coming out and then I also have uh some writing books so I have like a writer's log book that I did so again it's like just what do I need specifically in a journal and then I make it Uh, that one's for like tracking your word count every day when you're really pushing on a project I use it for editing too um I have a tarot card journal so that's for like recording your tarot card interpretations for each card so you can create your own reference book Um, I've done a mileage log tracker for the car for entrepreneurs because I needed one. Yes. (laughs) So I built one and now it sells. So that's cool. Um, yeah. So, so basically just stuff like that. Um, other entrepreneur themed books. I also have a cookbook out, um, that I wrote. It's actually a historical cookbook. So I put it together back. This is one of my 2015 books. It's called the vintage vegetarian. And it's. I went back through an archive, a couple archives, and found cookbooks from the 1800s. And I sifted through to find anything that was vegetarian without having substitutions and not gross. Those are my two criteria because <laughs> those old recipes, man, they have some ingredients. So I'm just like, no, not no. happening. <laughs> it's not even the ingredients. It's just like – I'll be fair. I threw a few of the weird ones into the cookbook. Like one was like a water lily salad, which is just boiled eggs. They've cut into – like into – wedges and laid out in the shape of flowers and that's the salad. So just <laughs> eggs. Just eggs. <laughs> but it's such pretty if you say water lily salad and you serve oh, it yes. on a on a glass dish that looks like water. <laughs> yes. So like I mean mar- that, marketing. Exactly. Very good marketing. <laughs> Um, so, so I made that book. So it's, uh, I just republished it, um, as a paperback and I did like all the typesetting and all the cover design. And I'm really proud of it. I think it's very beautiful for, um, you know, my first stab at a cookbook. Um, and this is a cookbook using recipes in the old format. So not so much like list of ingredients, list of bulleted steps. It's just like a paragraph. So, oh. in it, cause I didn't want to like mess with the original formatting. So right. it's more like, you know, locate, 10 eggs and then put them in a bowl and then maybe go find some flour and then put in as much flour is needed. <laughs> and it's like, what does that mean? Oh so my I included a lot of like annotations and conversions and what I, I was trying to figure out how to solve the formatting for the recipes to try and make ingredient lists. So I went through and I bolded all the ingredients in the oh, paragraph. Yes, so at least yes. you could look at it and skim and find the ingredients. Right. right? So, uh, and that was also the first book I've done an index in. And I manually did the index because I don't know why I did that manually, but uh, that was like the last step, and I was like, "Man, that's (laughs) this was dumb. I do this manually."
0: (laughs) We should chat. I can
1: I can (laughs)
0: give you some tips.
1: good because I like, you know, I don't do many books with index, but I have a new one. I'm working on a houseplant care guide to go with the journal. Um, just with all like, cause people are always asking me for houseplant tips. I thought I should write a book about this. Um, yeah. so it's not like a huge book, but it's just like a useful manual. Yeah. Um, but I think that should have an index. So I will come ask you how to do that with me yes. to tear my hair out. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Oh, and you said, um, that you listen to a lot of audiobooks, right? Yes. Audiobooks are a space that I'm very curious about as someone making money off of books. And I'm listening to a lot of podcasts. Do you listen to the Kobo Writer's Life podcast? No, I haven't, but it's, I will now. <laughs> it's quite good. I would recommend it for people who like books, specifically the publishing side of books. It's very niche. <laughs> um, but it's um, it's very interesting because they have people from the Kobo company on the Mm -hmm. podcast like so I just listened to one that was their like audiobook curator person and Mm -hmm. she just had all these tips on publishing audiobooks and I was just going to ask you like what length of audiobook in terms of hours do you gravitate to like a really long one or do you go like like more or less than 10 hours what do you think
0: um definitely less than 10 hours um the ones that I really gravitate to are less than six or seven hours because I know I can get through them within a week. Um, Right. But if the topic is something I'm super interested in, I have got those like 10 hour books.
1: Hmm. So. That's interesting. Cause she said that like most people are willing to pay for over 10 hours. Like the, the the 10 hour mark was sort of where you sort of get into a more of an earning threshold. I
0: would believe that if you have a topic that's a very niche like, if you did a 12 hour um, audiobook all about publishing,
1: I would mm-hmm. buy that. <laughs> yeah, right? Right. It's kind but, of like an extended podcast at that point, which I'm all about.
0: Right. So, um, yeah, if it's niche enough, yes. Mm-hmm. If it's just general, then it's like, no, because mm-hmm. I can get this information everywhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. So.
1: And, and, I know she did say that nonfiction is kind of the bestseller in eBooks. I believe that was correct. But I, if if not, it's like the second bestseller. I think romance is like always the bestseller in almost everything. But um, she said that interestingly, sci-fi and fantasy does pretty well. And she was trying to parse why. And as she said, maybe it's because everyone doesn't know how to pronounce any of the words, but when they hear it in an audiobook, they're like, Oh, that's how you say it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I find sometimes you get
0: really expressive voices, like people who are doing uh, the voiceover to do it, and they sort of put a little more emotion in the words mm-hmm. than just like, okay, today we're going to talk about blah, blah, blah. You yeah. Know, where they can have a little more creativity with an audiobook. Oh.
1: I Totally. And I, I mean, I guess the production value is where you like – that's where the quality is decided for the ebook, versus like yes. the typesetting and stuff. Um, I've thought about wanting to do an audiobook for my historical fiction book that I did, but I'm just like, do I record it? And like on the one hand, it's my book, I understand it intrinsically, I would be easiest to do it. On the other hand, my voice for these characters, and then also like, I don't know, that's a that's a long time to talk, man. <laughs> yeah, and
0: I also want to learn how to put the audio tags in for mm. chapters, like yeah. skipping ahead. I know that the software, I mean, I have Creative Cloud, so I have Adobe Audition, which is usually what I use to yeah, I to edit. I and I'm like, I'm sure this has it and does it. I just need to Google.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I have Adobe Cloud too. And I've only opened like four of the apps that I pay for. <laughs> There's a lot more I can be doing all this stuff. I don't want my poor laptop to burn out though. So baby steps with projects, I guess.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Where have you been finding inspiration and motivation these
1: days? Uh, well, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, lately, I guess it depends on what I'm working on, but for my books, I like going, I have a really big book collection at home. So often I will just go back through old ones and just see from a design standpoint, what people have done. I'm particularly invested in end notes, like what people put at the end of their books. I don't know why that's like where I'm really focusing in, but I feel like I'm not creative in that section, but that's like prime sales space right there. Yeah. baby. you got to put stuff at the end of your book. So- oh my goodness. The, se- the book
0: series that put chapter one at the end. Oh yeah. They get me every time because yeah. I'm like,
1: Oh, that's now just a I license to, to print it. money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I I don't know. I, I'm always curious about that. I also um love going on um do you know Happy Trust, the website Happy Trust? No. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's like, like the, it's an elephant logo. I assume it's like the elephant from uh, Jungle Book. Um, it's just a database of old books. It's sort of like the Internet Archive or Gutenberg or any of those like big databases. But I go through there and I find books, I usually like looking at domestic, like household guides and stuff from like the 1800s. And then um, because they were, have some of the most interesting typesetting. And mm-hmm. I just get like, into it. I have a whole folder on my desk I have just of like pages of old books I've saved because so I'm like, look at this design. And they're all in the public domain now. So, you know, you can borrow yes. inspire from that as much as you want. But um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I just love looking at old stuff because the way that I publish books, you know, using print on demand services and stuff is so new and. Comparatively soulless, that how can I take some flavor from the old and stuff? And so that's where I get a lot of my inspiration from um, for books and also like from my hobbies, as I said, my plants. I have my desk where I work is like cocooned in greenery <laughs> in all yes. directions. There are <laughs> flowers and plants. Actually, they're flowering right now, which is lovely. Um, mm-hmm. But I also get very motivated from helping people with their projects. Um, again, that's sort of the teacher side of things. But um, I really just like showing people what options there are that they don't know about, which maybe is yeah. slightly annoying quality to be like, actually, you don't know about this, but it's, <laughs> but I try to be more helpful about it. I, I think I have a good approach where it's more like, oh, okay, so you want to do this? Well, here's these cool tools you maybe not have seen before. makes it really easy. Let me teach you how to use them. Yeah. Um, and I find that very motivating because then it's just like, wow, I, all the stuff I do for fun actually helps people. Yeah, so, definitely. That's sort, of, that's sort of fueling, right? Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> and you mentioned um, helping people with publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, for other creatives that want to publish their own work, how did you find creating and releasing your work?
1: Oh, well, um, I find that... There are, it's both very complicated and very, very simple. And I, what I mean by that is there's just like a lot of technical stuff you got to wrap your head around. And once you do, you just got to do like three things, (laughs) right? Like when you publish a book, you need the interior, you need the exterior and then you need the metadata and that's it. That's just three things. Um, and then just finding the right place, maybe four is sourcing where you're going to publish it. But, but when you say those three things, each of them are extremely loaded concepts. So, you know, I think most people are drawn towards publishing on Amazon and you know, like a lot of people I have mixed feelings about it, but as someone like mixed feelings about the company, um, right. generally negative, but as someone in the publishing space, I don't have much prospect of a career as a self publisher if I don't use it. Yes. So, um, I do use other services as well. I try and diversify that. Um, I use Barnes and Noble. Actually I just got a proof to be a publisher in Barnes and Noble and I use Kobo and a couple other different things. Yeah, high five. five. So, um, yeah, and and those companies, I don't know if Kobo does, but Barnes & Noble has their own print on demand, so you can make physical books with them. I don't believe that they are really into journals, like paperback journals, like what I do. I think Amazon's kind of the space for that, which is problematic in its own sense because there's a big surge, probably made worse by the pandemic, of people um, really interested in side hustles, which love a side hustle so my whole career is on side hustles but um who get really um, enticed by the idea of low content publishing and the idea of make one interior file for a book that's lined pages make 10 dozen covers and upload all the covers with the same interior and then try and target those covers to different niches to sell so that's fine And, and in principle i have no problem with it except that um a lot of them aren't very high quality and end up taking up space in the searches. Right. So, um, but you know, honestly, I'm not really here to judge anyone's may- way of making money on <laughs> in publishing. Right. It's, it's sort of like new frontier for most people. So, you know, do what you do. But my approach is just, I'd rather create a book with a much more custom experience than just a recycled interior. Right. So like even when I say I'm making more houseplant journals, I've picked a lot of different, angles that you'd want to do like i have a succulent journal and i have like these things and the interiors are specific to that type of plant and the like propagating is in the uh, succulent one that you don't want to do with other plants as much so so i that's just my approach um again i'm not really here to publishing shame anyone (laughs) right Right. uh, right i do like i also have like this is my job so i have a lot more time to spend on creating more custom books. But sorry, that that is all to say that if someone is getting started with publishing, they probably like would want to just start with Amazon and use their extensive catalog of research. But I also do uh, teach a course on journal publishing. It's called um, Intro to journal publishing. It's a very creative title. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I have a platform called the Sprout School. So it's sproutschool.ca. And I have two courses on there. One is for ebook publishing, which is a big beefy course on like everything from concept of your book to marketing it. So it's a big course. But the one that people seem to really like is the, um, the, the quicker um, journal publishing course, because I teach you basically how to go like five steps is like concept, design it, make the interior file. And I do like video walkthroughs, uh, design a cover. And again, I do some like video tutorials and then pick your publisher. So I am going to, I keep adding stuff to that course. I want to add like a marketing section, how to make a business mm-hmm. out of that kind of section. But, um, yeah, so I, I do teach that cause I find that when you, turns out when you do something that's a little bit cool and then you show people, they want to do it too, which I love. <laughs> so yes. it's just easier to, to build a course instead of being like, Okay, here's all my time to teach you how to do this thing. so yeah, so yeah, so I, I do the, the course and, and it's a lot of fun. and, and I get to see other people th- listen, there's nothing more exciting than someone saying, "I took your course and here's what I made. Oh, I literally yes. got a I got a text the other week from someone who was like, I made a book using your course. I just launched and I just made X amount of money off of it my first week. And I was like, oh my God, like you're better than me. (laughs) (laughs) I was so proud of her. And I'm like blasting it on my social media and be like, look what my friend made. And so it's just an extremely satisfying thing to help people. And I find that very motivating. Yeah, definitely. I love it. Do you ever self publish or do you just work on the design side? (laughs) So far, I've worked on the design side. But
0: I have a ton of ideas and I feel now that self-publishing is so accessible, mm-hmm. like five to 10 years ago, it just wasn't available. But now it's so accessible. I'm like, I need to be putting my spin on these things and getting it out there, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I definitely see self-publishing in my future mm-hmm. and and writing a book is on my bucket list. I've always said that, but... The content, the themes, the the whatever, the topic,
1: still <laughs> undecided. That's okay. Sometimes I think the books find you when the time exactly. is right. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I I definitely think you should. I'm excited to see what books you make in the future with your skills and everything. Ooh, cool. Yeah, and yeah. like you know, when it comes to. Much like any other skill, you can either spend a lot of time learning it, or spend a bit of money to learn it and do it quicker. So, right. like, there's no real barriers um, aside from time or money, which are actually big barriers for a lot of people. So, yeah, dismiss that. But um, you know, but there's no other barriers. I guess it's not like you have to meet some sort of criteria or prove that you're good enough. You just have to right. learn the skill, and then you can get into and, it. And and, yeah. and and I would say, make a shitty book. Like just whoever, yeah, like whoever's listening, just like go make a shitty book. No one, no one's yeah. gonna care. <laughs> and get get over that, and then yeah. make ten
0: awesome ones. Yeah, exactly. That one crap one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we all make yeah. shitty books now and then, especially yes. if you're making as many as as you know I do. I I set a goal this year. I was gonna make twenty books in twenty twenty. Um And oh. I said that originally in like January, and people were like, "Hey, you might want to check yourself. That doesn't sound." sound like a reasonable plan I said no I mean like workbooks or ebooks or journals or things like this like anything in the category of book and um thanks to the pandemic your girl did it like in two months (laughs) yeah so so that was good but that was you know helped by republishing things I'd already written um formatting things. so but yeah like you know they're not all diamonds but that's okay because I had fun making them and I just yeah I'm very Pro anyone experimenting with self-publishing? Yes,
0: yeah, and I feel—I mean, it's—it's it's the same in the design world where, you know, every logo you design, the next one is better. Every in mm-hmm. the same way, every book that you design, the next one is going to be better. So, getting exactly in those iterations of just getting it out there, and also um, not waiting for someone to ask you to publish a book or Mm. you know just do it (laughs) we all have so many stories in us that we can put out into the world right
1: totally and I don't know that I would want someone asking me to publish a book I recognize that like when people like get really good at other things in life someone's like you should write a book or here's a book deal and it's like what pressure my goodness what if it wasn't my time to write a book um yeah but there I am getting more precious about it (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. Like a journal. It's way easier, but very cool. And I don't know. I also really like journals. I should add that disclaimer. Like I'm someone who uses them. So yes. um, I think that really helps. Cause if you're just making them, they become a little soulless unless you actually care.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 I definitely have a, a, a vast amount of journals. Some not written in yet, some full
1: mm-hmm. um, Yes. So, well, the whole point of the journal is to inspire you, right? And whether it's exactly. inspiring you because you're writing in it or inspiring it because you just own it. <laughs> yes. yes. That's okay. I love that. Yes. <laughs> I okay. say this to justify my very heavy bending shelf of journals.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, we've moved several times, and I'm like, oh, does this box need to come to the next spot? And it's always like, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I need these. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I also like to end on a positive note. Mm-hmm. So is there anything that you've seen from everything that's happening in the world? That's a positive, um, that you hope keeps happening when, and I'm, I'm calling it when we can hug again,
1: not <laughs> when there's no new normal. Just yep. Like, that's, that's true. It's definitely not going to be back to normal. Um, no. I think that what I've appreciated the most has been being able to slow down. And, um, you know, I always say, like, from a personal perspective, I have a lot of, like, Stress habits that aren't and bad ha- work habits that aren't great that came over from grad school they just like stuck with me so, and, and anyone I think who spends a lot of time focusing on school kind of has that so I haven't shaken it yet so lately just being able to be like oh it's okay no one like uh, it's feeling like I was behind was a big part of it like all the yes. time like, needlessly like there's no competition like it's not that's not how the world is you're not actually all in a big race but um, when quarantine happened it was kind of like oh it's fine. Everyone's just doing nothing at home or we're doing stuff at home. But, um, so I, I appreciated that sort of release from stress, but more tangibly, I also, uh, see people shopping more local, which I really, really appreciate as like yes. a small business owner with a product to sell, um, and doing like, we just, we set up to do local pickup as well. So, um, I just really appreciate how most, almost every small business that I know, cause I'm, you know, in the community, so I know the owners too, um, have just, like, stepped up and are just, like, mm-hmm. such so beacons. So I really hope that their um, the hard work they've been doing for our communities have, is, like, reciprocated by people soliciting them and, you know, yes. buying local products and stuff. Because, like, like I, I know one business uh, that... Um, They carry our products, but even if they didn't, I'd still love to shout them out is Luminate in Bedford, Luminate Co. Because they were like, right off the bat, they just dove into like, let's do grocery deliveries. And they're like, um, you know, a very wellness, organic food kind of store. And I just, and they just like showed up and just did the dang thing. And I was just so impressed. But there's so many examples like that. so. I don't know, just a lot of local business love. I hope that really continues because it's it's a nice feeling to see everyone flourishing.
0: Yeah, it, it is. And all of the businesses that were sort of hesitant to innovate and embrace technology. And within mm-hmm. a week they were like, here's our new online store and we have yes. curbside pickup. And I'm like,
1: yes, this is amazing. <laughs> I'm so proud of them too. Yeah. And because I've talked to a couple business owners who just need a little bit of advice about e-commerce and I've done a few platforms. I'm no, by no means an expert, but I um, had some advice to give and I was just like, just, just do it. You can do it wrong. Just don't overcharge people. That's like the main thing. Yeah, <laughs> Give them exactly. what they ask for and don't overcharge them and everything else you can modify. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I. yeah, it, it's been kind of cool to see that happen despite yeah. circumstances.
0: Yeah, definitely. So if someone wants to reach out to you after the show, uh, buy some of your journals or books, where is the best place to find you?
1: Yeah. Um, so to find me personally, I'm a very much an Instagram kind of person. So on Instagram, I'm at lucky sprout is like my main, uh, account. Uh, and if you want to find my books, um, if you just go on Amazon and search for lucky sprout press, that's where like you'll find all my books. I also like write the link in my bio is just a, is a web, web page with a big list of all my books and you can click on them there. Um, so yeah, lucky sprout is me. I also recently started an online portfolio of my work so that's offshoot creative on instagram and i have a website coming up probably by the time this episode airs i'll be out just OffshootCreative.ca. um mm-hmm. i've been meaning to put together a design portfolio but and this is like a weird thing to say but like i've just been too busy <laughs> with client work to build my portfolio <laughs> oh so, yeah but, but i'm like some of these projects are like winding up i want to do more i should probably put a portfolio together so that's what i'm building so it's only a few pictures up there but
0: it is growing Amazing. Yes. My portfolio is also about a year and a half old. I just updated one project (laughs) two weeks ago because I'm like, this is too exciting. I have to put this up. But yes, yes, I can relate where you're so busy doing the work for other people that you forget to put in that work for yourself and like put more of your work out there.
1: Yes. And so I'm trying to be a little bit better about that and just being more connected to all my projects online because I am a little bit scattershot sometimes. But yeah, but that's okay. That's part of the the journey I love to share in public on the internet. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Love it. So thank
0: you so much for talking to me today. No Um, problem at all. It's been so nice chatting. Yes. And I'm sure once we can hug again, I'll be reaching out to have an (laughs) in-person
1: I would love that, absolutely. I feel like we, like you said, we have so much we could talk about and so much we will talk about.
0: Oh, yes, (laughs) yes. Hours and hours and hours. Yes,
1: Perfect. I'll bring my books. Yes. (laughs) And then you can bring yours and then we'll like take notes (laughs) on each other's style. Oh, (laughs) so excited. Yay.
0: Yes, so take care. All right, thank you. You too. It was great chatting. Yes. (laughs) Okay, see ya. That's it for episode nine of Creative Conflab. I hope you enjoyed our conversation about publishing, design, and got inspired to create your own journal or book. If you'd like to follow along on social media, you can find Creative Conflab on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have an amazing week. I hope you get to be creative, be well, be safe, and be kind.